Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. service tonight. I was about to say God saved the best for last, but he didn't because Pastor Miriam's preaching tonight. Somebody said, someone turn to your neighbor on the left and say, what are you doing tonight? Look at the person on your right and say, I'll see you at the six. There you go right there. Come on now. There's some laughter. You guys can take a seat this morning. It is always, always, always a joy uh, to get to come and hang with the Church Alive family. Um, this is certainly not my first time being here with you guys, and I always feel, no matter how hard I try, I always leave receiving more than I was able to give. I love the faith of this house, the passion of this house. I love the way that you worship in this place. I love your heart for your city, and I love your pastors as well. Do you guys love your pastors? Come on now. I was speaking with uh, Pastor Anthony a few weeks ago. He actually gave me a call. Uh, this was maybe two or three weeks ago now. And he said, hey, I'm taking some of the men to the Dominican Republic for a uh, missions endeavor that we have down there. And I need you to come and, and, and speak to uh, our Sunday services. And I said, awesome, I'm in. And then it was just this week where he gave me another call. And he was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know this is what I've been speaking on. You can speak on whatever you want, but this is what I've been speaking on. And how many people know that when he said that in that moment? What I actually heard on the inside was, speak on this. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I was planning to speak on a different topic today, but, but I have been given a mission and an assignment from Pastor Anthony in Jesus' name. So I'm going to be sharing a great thought today that, that I hope is an encouragement to you. But before I get there, I just want to speak to the men for a moment. Any men in the house? Okay, okay. Any ladies in the house? All right, one more time, guys. You, you got to... Come on, or you're going to have to turn in your man card on the way out the door here, okay? No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Any men in the house? Whoa. I think you just ruined like a Zumba workout over next door in the gym. They're like, what was that? All right, there it is, a little bit of faith in the house. But men, if you are not yet signed up for 252 weekend, I want to encourage you, stop kicking the tires. No one ever changed their life. No one's circumstance ever changed just thinking about it. I want to challenge you today to choose to be there, to choose to be a part of this God moment. I know I'm coming all the way from Virginia Beach to be with you guys. My commute's a little further than yours. You can do it. All right? So, so man, if you've been a part of, of Church Alive for the longest time, and, and it's just like, I know what happens at the 252 events. Pastor Joe, I'm good. You do not want to be that man who missed out on the move of God that I believe we're going to see. And if you've never been a part of one of these events before and you're thinking, I, I don't know if it's for me, I don't know if I would fit in, I want to encourage you. There's been a lot of prayer, a lot of preparation for this event, 
and uh, your pastor carries you in his heart, and he wants to see you at this weekend. And fathers, don't come alone. Bring your sons. If they're that age group that we want to have there, which is 13 and up, I want to encourage fathers, bring your sons with you. And don't just say, I'm going to be there. Go register today. Put action to your commitment in Jesus' name. Does that sound good? But uh, the thought that I want to share on today, I know Pastor Anthony has been speaking about being battle strong. Battle strong. Let me tell you something. There's show muscles and then there's farm muscles. All right? There's show muscles that, like, they look good in the gym, right? Uh, but, but then when it actually comes to getting out there and doing the work, it's totally different when you're in the brickyard, right? I, part of Bible college, I worked for a brick masonry company, and I found out those little show muscles that you get working out in front of the mirror at the YMCA, they don't really, the, the bricks don't care in Jesus' name. They're like, oh, that's cute. Okay, awesome. Come back when, when you've actually become a man. And it's like, okay, okay. You know, it like totally crushed my pride. I learned that summer. Show muscles and muscles that do work, two different things. And let me tell you something, it's one thing to be strong in the world, that's something different to be battle strong in the kingdom. And so Pastor Anthony was talking about being battle strong. He was talking about being a warrior. Not being a warrior. A warrior. All right? He talked about fighting. And what does that mean as a Christian? All right? And I want to I contribute to that conversation today. And the title of my message is Only the Brave. Uh, and, and I'm excited to share. I loved being in the house of God today. Yesterday, I was spending the whole day finishing up a paper for my school degree that I'm still working on. I went back to school for a master's degree. And I am just thankful to be around people today in Jesus' name. So if I seem a little bit hyped up and excited, it's because I was sitting in a hotel room yesterday nerding out on a paper on the Reformation. And I am just glad to be in the house of God today. All right, but, uh, but I'm excited to share on this. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter three. I wanna show you a verse or a couple of verses that after the first service today, someone came up to me and said, hey, I've, 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 I've read Judges three before, but I never saw that in there. And this is one of those verses that's easy to overlook, but I wanna, I wanna focus on it for a moment as we talk about living the life of the brave today says this in Judges 3, 1 to 3. These are the nations that the Lord left to test. Someone say test. test. Come on, let's say it loud enough for everyone online. They, they didn't hear you there. Someone say test. test. There it is. All right, he said, these are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who did not have previous battle experience. For the parents in the house today, I want to encourage you. One of the biggest challenges is making sure that your faith journeys don't die with you, but you impart into your children the same ability to charge the halls of heaven in prayer, to live lives that take a stand in faith. If we're not careful, we can fight the fights, and our children can think that's just normal life. And they'll never know the price we paid or the sacrifice that came with it. And it can happen in a church. It can happen in leadership. If you're not careful, you can think every church is like this. Can I be honest? Not every church is like this. There are some churches out there that I'm not so sure. Jesus looks at it and says, yeah, that's my church. That was a joke. It went over like a pregnant pole vaulter, but that's all good. And some, someone's thinking about that right now. And you're like, oh, I get it now. They got, they got stuck half. Okay, cool, good deal. 
But here we are, he says they didn't, or he had to teach them warfare. That God left nations, he left kingdoms in place because he wanted to make sure the people of Israel knew how to fight. And then it goes on in verse 3 and it mentions what those kingdoms were. But today what I want to do is I want to talk about how to pick a fight and win. I'm training my kiddos in my house. I have three kids. I have my two sons and then a sweet little daughter that has me wrapped around her finger. I swore after having two sons, like this whole having daughters thing is totally overrated. It's not like I'm not going to be that dad. I'm that dad. It happened real quick. But um, one of the things I'm teaching my sons is that if, if you are ever in a situation where you feel you have to start a fight, you better finish it. You better finish what you start. I'm teaching my sons that there are times where the right thing to do is to fight. If there is someone, some young little chump in my neighborhood rises up against my daughter, the spirit of slap will come upon my sons. And they will smite that little turd of a boy that mistreated my daughter. It will happen. There is a time for peace, but there is also a time for war. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about how to pick a fight and win. How to pick a fight and win. There's, look, there are, th- there are too many people out there that are willing to start a work and not finish it. Too many people that are willing to start a marriage, not finish a marriage. Too many people willing to start a business, not finish the business. Too many people who are ready to start a degree, don't want to finish the degree. There is nothing I want to do more right now than walk away from my degree. Because it's three years, I got another year ahead of me, and I am D-O-N-E done in Jesus' name. But you know what, there's something about finishing what you started. And I'm thankful that when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, it's mostly done. He said, it is finished. We serve a God who finishes what he started. We are a representation of him on this earth. So we cannot leave our task, our mission that we are entrusted with in our generation. We can't leave it halfway done. As far back as the writings of St. Augustine and the city of God or Thomas Aquinas, both of them early church fathers, they wrote about this thought that there is such a thing as just war. In other words, that there are times where the most righteous, the most pure, the most merciful thing you can do for society is go to war. Because when there is injustice, when there is wrongdoing, when there is wickedness in the land, To just be complicit with it is to be a part of it. There is a time for peace, but there is a time to take a stand and say, not on my watch, not in my house, not in my marriage, not in my family, not in my nation, not in my city, not in my town. And I need to clarify that as followers of Jesus, the war that we fight, it is a war not of flesh and blood, but it is a war in the spirit. And what's wrong is we live in a world today where, where there's a whole lot of a, that we have put peace on a pedestal. But peace in a time of war is an invitation to enslavement. And so if we do not know the season we will pay the highest consequence. And I find judges compelling because here's God and he is, he's, he's 
being framed as a father by the use of the, the language of children and sons of Israel. So it frames God as a father. And it's this image of a dad teaching his sons, this is how you throw a punch. This is how you take a hill. This is how you clear out an enemy position. I'm going to teach you how to inherit the promise, Israel. But if you're going to inherit this promise, it's going to take a fight. And so one of the things that, that we're going to break into here today, here's the secret of the brave. When you step into your promise, you step into a fight. When you step into your promise, you step into your, a fight. In Joshua 12, it talks about 31 31 different kingdoms that Israel ended up fighting precisely because God gave them the promise of the land of Canaan. There are 31 kingdoms Israel fought and conquered that they would not have fought, they would not have conquered if they did not have a promise. But there is a battle awaiting you if you choose to trust God at his word and inherit his promises. I mean, do you think that changing your family's legacy is just going to come easily? I mean, for me, my family, my father embezzled half a million dollars, cheated on my mom. He's on, I think it's his third marriage, if memory serves me correctly right now. I just found out last year that I have a half-brother from someone that he was never even married to. I mean, the story just goes on of family brokenness and men abandoning their post in my family. I mean, if I were to, if, if I wanted to press myself, I can just go ahead and go through the where are they now reel of men in my family. There's not many that are staying true to their words and their promises of commitment to their family. And what does that tell me? It tells me that to change the legacy of your family, it's not easy or everyone would do it. It's going to cost you. It comes at a cost. It comes with a fight. Okay. It, it, when, when we talk about marriage itself, right, the, one of the biggest lies we tell people in church is, hey, once you get married, it's easy street. Can I tell you something? A healthy marriage is a fight. It takes resilience. It takes commitment. It takes working through the pain barriers of understanding and misunderstanding. And, and here's the thing. You're, 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 how, do I, how do I put this in a, I understand we have, various seasons of life in here. So I got to say this carefully. Maybe I'll leave it. All right, there we go in Jesus' name. There we go. I'm just going to let that go. Someone say, help him, Jesus. All right. Man, maybe, maybe God put in your heart a mission and a vision to launch a business that you believe is going to be used to advance the kingdom of God. Well, when other companies in your market Find out that you want to launch a business. They're not just going to give you their market share because you want to honor God with it. No, they're going to go ahead and laugh at you, and they're going to try to steal your lunch. It's called capitalism. Yeah. Right? And so you got to understand, yes, yeah, sure, it, to dream will cost you nothing. But to live that dream will cost you everything. Dreaming costs you nothing. But living the dream, it will cost you everything. And so the reality is it takes a special person to be a warrior. I love what Admiral McRaven said. He's a retired United States Navy admiral. He was the previous commander of Joint Special Operations Command called JSOC, if you want to go by the cool guy acronym. But he was the commander that oversaw the operation to take out bin Laden. 
And someone one time asked him, what does it, what, what, what makes a special operator? What kind of man is, is, what kind of cloth is a man of the special operations community cut from? And he had this as an answer. He said, special operations require a special individual. One who knowingly enters a battle outnumbered, yet has every intention of overpowering the larger force. They run to the fight that other people run from. I love that answer that he says, hey, you want to know what, what kind of person we construct a special operator out of? It's the person who knows the odds and leans into it anyway. They take the missions that are too messy for anyone else to consider. See, everyone wants to be the cool guy until it becomes time to do the cool guy stuff. Everyone wants to be high speed until they get punched in the face. Right? And that is just the nature of the beast. I love what uh, one of my kids once was talking to one of my friends. We had just done a bit of a, uh, some, you know, a round of jujitsu and training and whatnot. And he's, he's in a very unique part of the Navy. And um, my son looked at him and he says, how do you never cry? And my buddy looked at him. He's a combat veteran. And he said, oh, no, we all cry. He said, just some men give up when they start crying and others push through it. And he began to tell my son a story of how he was in a very close range encounter, got punched in the face, continued on. He said, but I can remember dealing with it and looking through my tears at the same, as I was finishing what had to be done in the moment. He's like, if you get punched in the face, it's a normal human reaction. Your eyes will water. He said, we all cry. It's just, will you back down because you're crying or will you press through it? What a lesson. I was like, thank God that my son has access to life lessons like that. And I just wonder, you know, again, everyone, everyone wants to do that until they realize, what is it going to cost me? What is it going to require of me? What is it going to ask of me? And the reality is that being a warrior for God's purposes is not an easy life. It will cost you. There will be moments where it hurts. There will be moments where you're misunderstood. There will be moments where you feel forgotten. There will be moments where, where everything inside of you is saying, it just could not possibly be worth this. And yet the special operator is the person who continues on despite that feeling, despite those concerns, despite those situations. And when we look in the Old Testament specifically, I find it interesting that many of God's missions, many of God's purposes, many of God's plans were initiated through the warriors of Israel. And I believe that in the season we're in as a church, God needs, God desires to do a great work in the world today. And he's looking for warriors. He's looking for people who are ready and willing to stand in the gap. But the problem is we live in a culture that is more than happy to live in the blessing that is attained through the warriors of our, of our nation. But we're, we're at the same time ready to disparage them. We want the freedom our warriors bring, but we don't want warriors in our midst. And you can't have both. You can't have both. If you want to walk in the promises of God, you've got to be ready to fight. 
So what makes a warrior? That's what I wanna talk about with the time that we have left today. Every single service, I have about six of these points. Every service I've gone through different ones and I'm gonna shake it up again here um, in this service. And I I wanna actually start with uh, this point. One of the things that makes a warrior is this thought right here. Warriors maintain their kit. Warriors maintain their kit. What do I mean by that? When you talk with someone who is, who is in the realm of, of the, the soldiers that, that are led by McRaven, the sailors that are led by McRaven, the airmen that are in that Joint Special Operations Command, they don't call all of their military gear and apparatus, they don't call it gear, they call it kit. And for you, it might be a piece of, of canvas, it could be a, a, a backpack, It could be a rifle. For them, they are the tools of the trade. It is the kit that if it is not taken care of, someone may not come home. And uh, in 1812, I think a great example of how important your kit is to your mission's success, Napoleon actually decided to invade Russia, 1812. And he went out with 600,000 French soldiers. And they were the glory of France. And the entire thing was about a projection of French power and French might and French culture and French supremacy, all the way down to even the uniforms that they wore as they invaded Russia. And the the crowning piece of these French uniforms was the, the buttons were made of tin. But what they didn't know is that tin undergoes a structural change in its nature, its, its, its composition, when it is exposed to the temperature of zero degrees Celsius. It actually begins to disintegrate and it becomes a dust, it becomes a powder. And so the, the, the French army invaded Russia, they were taking ground, they were winning battles, and eventually the Russian winter came along. And what happened was the temperature got so cold, the temperature dropped so low that the, the, all the buttons on the French uniforms that kept them safe from the weather elements, it got so cold that all of those buttons disintegrated and the soldiers could no longer protect themselves from the weather. French soldiers were out there trying to fight and it's a really bad situation when you're charging an enemy line and you have to choose, am I gonna hold on to my pants or am I gonna hold on to my rifle? Right? And so what ended up happening is the, the French forces were decimated. Napoleon returned from his campaign. He left with 600,000 soldiers. He came back with less than 10,000. More soldiers were killed by the weather than they were by the bullets and the, and the, the cannon fire. Think about that for a moment. The weather took out more of them than the enemy did. On average, it ended up being about two in every 100 soldiers came home. Imagine taking 100 of you from this room today and saying only two of you are gonna walk out. That's the reality that Napoleon's army encountered. You know, in life, sometimes the elements are more deadly than the opposition. And when it comes to fulfilling your God call, you need to maintain your kit. And what is the most important kit in the Christ followers arsenal? It's your heart and it's your mind. It is your heart and it is your mind. Unforgiveness will expose you to infection. It will expose you to the elements in the world around you and it will will steal your heart. It will take your mind off of the things of God. 
And when you look at the story of King David getting ready to fight Goliath, his whole introduction to the story has the most unlikely of sources. He isn't called into it as the champion title fighter coming out of the left side of the ring. If you look at 1 Samuel 17, verses 28 to 30, look at how David got mixed up in the battle with Goliath. It says, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with men, and he burned with anger. And he asked, why are you even here, David? And with whom did you leave those first few sheep in the wilderness? His brother says to him, I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is, and you only came here to watch a battle. I think it's interesting that when David walked into the the situation where he was going to encounter Goliath, the first thing he heard from people was, you don't belong here. You're not one of us. You, you don't belong in this kind of a fight. You, don't, you, don't, you shouldn't have a say in what's happening here. This is a place for warriors. And David, you're the runt of the family. Dad didn't even call you out when the prophet came to anoint a king. You, you are forgettable. You don't even belong here, David. And if David let those words into his heart, he would have packed it in and left that day. But what does the Bible say David did? I love it. David looks at him and says, what did I do? He said, can't I even speak and then look at this so he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter so I love it David's over here asking a question Eliab hears it Eliab gives him an earful and he looks at him and he goes okay I hear you background noise and he looks over here at someone else and he asks the same question see he didn't let the opposition he didn't let the negativity he didn't let the doubt he didn't let the names he didn't let the labels cover his mind get into his heart But he continued to seek out the question. I wonder, where are you harboring offenses in your heart? I wonder, is your mind more firmly rooted in what the world is saying or what God's word is saying? You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you will respond to it. You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you respond to it. There's a book written by Colonel McCoy. It's called The Passion of Command, and he writes this about the gear of soldiers in combat. He says, most weapon malfunctions and stoppages are caused by the shooter. Poor reloading or dirty weapons are usually the reason. After an op, before anything else, weapons must be cleaned and made ready. So you've been out in the field, it's been a couple days, maybe you had a long-range reconnaissance mission of some sort, you're tired, you didn't even bring enough food for the trip because you wanted to make sure your ruck was a little bit lighter, you decided more ammo, less food, so I can win the gunfight, right? But you come back in, it's been a couple days, you've logged some miles, things didn't quite go as planned, the weather was bad, maybe you were holed up even longer because the helicopters couldn't fly through the weather conditions. There's there's stories of these kinds of things happening and people being out there an extra week longer than they planned. Talk about a bad day right there. You thought it was going to be a 48-hour trudge through the desert and it ended up being over a week. And the whole time you're surrounded by people that don't like you, right? But what, what Colonel McCoy is saying here is when you get back to base camp, don't take a shower. Don't go eat fresh food. First thing you need to do is deal with your kit. Because while you're in the shower, the enemy might attack. While you're eating food and trying to fill your stomach, 
they could attack the base. And then when you run and get your weapon and it's clogged with all that sand and all that dirt and all that grime, you're no longer able to be a part of the gunfight. So what does he say? He says, before you do anything, clean your kit. So if we're going to be people that God can use, if you want to be a warrior, what does it mean? It's the really unsexy stuff that Hollywood never puts in the movies. Clean your kit. Keep your heart pure. Keep your mind right. If you've got a disagreement between you and your spouse, don't just walk off in a fury and just, just leave the door open to a bigger fight later on. Look them in the eyes and say, I love you. I'm committed to us. But right now, the words I want to speak, I've not thought them through well enough. And I respect you too much to say something that I'm going to regret later. So, so why don't we... Why don't we agree in this moment that we will not make a decision until we both had a chance to pray this through over the night here. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this tomorrow when we both have a mindset that is properly set. That I've cleaned my kit and I remind myself that you are not my enemy, but you are the ally that God handpicked for me. And I am the ally that God handpicked for you. Then we can work this issue out. That's what it looks like. That's what I'm talking about when it talks about making sure that, that as a warrior, you got you to gotta keep your kit in place. The next thing that I think is true about warriors, warriors refuse indifference. Warriors refuse indifference. There's a lot of people in the world today, and when you ask them what they think of something, they're just kind of, meh, meh. And the reason so many people are meh about things is because they're afraid you won't accept their opinion. So what does everyone do? Everyone says the same thing and ends up saying nothing. Right? And so one of the things warriors refuse to be is indifferent. Do you know what happens when you're indifferent on the battlefield? People die. People die. Someone doesn't come home. And that someone is a brother, could be a wife, could be a father. That someone is someone's son living in a military town. I've been in that moment when someone realizes that someone they love, someone that they prayed for every single day, that they would be protected, that they would be safe, isn't coming back. That stuff happens. And how does it get there? Someone somewhere somehow became just a little bit indifferent. Just didn't quite put their entire heart into it. How do you know when you're in trouble? When nothing moves you. You're just numb. Numb to the things of God. You're numb to the brokenness of society around us. You're numb to the injustices in our society and say, it's not my problem. Numb to the, to the, to the excesses of politicians who are using their power to, to further disadvantage the people that they're supposed to be helping through legislation. Numb to being told what you can and can't do with your freedoms. I got to be honest, I have family members in my own family who died so you could 
Make something of your freedom, not waste it. And there are people around the globe, followers of Christ, who are living sacrificially so the church can rise up, not so the church can be comfortable. God, I'll follow you as long as it's comfortable, as long as it's convenient. I think one of the most common side effects of sin in your life is it removes convictions. It removes the passion. It removes the heart that says, I will fight for this. And the reason it removes it from us is because we know we've been compromised. I love what Jensen Franklin says. I wish I came up with it. I didn't. He says, sin fascinates and then it assassinates. It thrills and then it kills. It will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And if I were to add to it in a way that I can't get it to rhyme, but I would say it'll give you what you want at the expense of your children's future. See, we live in a world today that teaches emotions, Emotions are just bad. Just get rid of them. Especially anger. Anger's just never good. And I want to look at people today and I'm, I want to say something. And if you're watching online, I got to say this uh, in case it ever shows up on the YouTube universe one day. This will not make sense unless you've heard the entire message. We need more angry Christians. We need more angry Christians. Not angry in the sense, not angry in the sense that you're mad at the person, but angry in the sense of saying, I know what God created this town, this nation, my family, humanity for. And we have been sold a bill or a crock of lies. And I will not allow it to continue on my watch. Angry enough to do something about it. I mean, have you ever, you ever been in a line waiting somewhere and it's just like, it makes you mad, but it just kind of inconveniences you. And because it just inconveniences you, you don't really do anything with it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You just kind of endure it. We have a whole lot of people in society today that are just enduring brokenness. They're just enduring betrayal. They are enduring loneliness, brokenness, frustration, addiction, all these things because no one is standing up saying, you don't have to live like this. And why do people not stand up like that? People don't stand up because they're afraid they'll be misunderstood. They're afraid they'll be unfollowed. They're afraid that they'll be canceled. They're afraid they'll become the bullet sponge of someone's angry words. And the reality is, do we even love humanity enough to run the risk of being misunderstood? What I have found about warriors is they, they can be accused of a lot of things. But one thing you'll never be able to accuse a true warrior of is being indifferent. Can I ask you, is your heart on fire for the things of God? Or are you keeping a tally now of every single time you sacrifice for God? God, you've overdrafted. It's been a while since you answered one of my prayers. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can step up and do that. 
That's asking a lot to give my Saturday to help hide eggs for total strangers. I don't know, Jesus. Whoa. How dare you? Hands off my Saturday. I don't know, God. Been a while since I felt satisfied in my marriage. I'm not going to serve on a team on a, are you kidding me? Right? We, we, if we're not careful, we can all go there. We can all go to that place. And what I love about King David is he refused to be indifferent. 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 47 talks about that. And I don't have time to read it today because I want to get to one last point. The last thing about warriors is they seek total victory. They seek total victory. Can I tell you something today? Kinda free isn't free. Just like kinda equal isn't really equal. Kind of accepted is not accepted. Kinda celebrated is not celebrated. Can I tell you something? Either you're free or not. Either you're living in sin or we're living in righteousness. Either we're walking in the peace that Jesus promised or we're walking troubled. There is no in between. What warriors understand is that if I'm going to step into this fight, I can't step in halfway. Either I'm in the fight or I'm not. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve, in the context of this passage, he was talking about money, he says you cannot serve God and money. Can I tell you something today? You can't serve God and culture. You can't serve God and politics. Because maybe your politics agree with scripture today, they probably won't tomorrow. When it comes to living this Christian life, at the end of the day, either we're all in or we're all out. And what the enemy would love for Christians to believe is you can be a part-time follower of Jesus. See, to live the life Christ has for us, it requires our total surrender. But on the other side of your total surrender, there's total freedom. On the other side of your total surrender, I believe there's the totality of his presence. On the other side of your total surrender, I believe that there's a total joy that this world can't steal. And I just want to ask today, in the context of inheriting your promised land, I wonder where in your life are you trying to negotiate with the things of this world? And my parting thought to the seasoned veteran, slightly jaded Christians in the room do not negotiate with the things God has called you to put to death. Just the little sin. Just the little bitterness. Just the little bit of anger. Just a little bit of mixture with the world. In 1 Samuel 17, David triumphs over Goliath with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And then look at this. And then David ran and stood over him. And he took a hold of the Philistine sword and he drew it from its sheath. And after he killed the giant, he cut off his head with the sword. Why did David do that? He did not want the Philistines to take the body of their champion and to perpetuate a lie that you didn't really take us down. 
So he dealt a total defeat to proclaim a total victory. And maybe there's some people here today and truth be told, you're kind of free. You've been doing things the world's way and you're, you're kind of satisfied, but it only ever lasts for a moment. And then you end up back at that same place, searching and not finding. And you end up back at that same place of emptiness and hollowness and wondering, is there more to life than this? That's why I love the words of Jesus when he said, come to me, all of you who are thirsty, or come, come, come to me. Are you tired? I'll give you rest. Are you thirsty? I'll give you a drink so that you never thirst again. Are you hungry? I can satisfy in a way that this world can never satisfy. See, if what I'm saying about Jesus isn't true, here's the thought for anyone today who's been kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing. If what I'm saying isn't true, you can always go back to the world's way of doing things. But if what I'm saying is true today, you could be this close to receiving what you've been looking for. So if you're in this place today and you're saying, Joe, I've done my best to fight, to be a warrior, to live this life, but I've done it the world's way. I've never heard anyone talk about Jesus like you're talking about. I know what it's like to seek and not find, to thirst and not be satisfied, to hunger and to, to just always have that emptiness. But if, Joe, what you're saying about Jesus is true, I wanna know a God like that. If that's you in this place, I'm not gonna ask you to stand, I'm not gonna call you to the front of the room, but I wanna pray for you today that you could finally find what your soul is looking for. Because that thing that you feel missing on the inside, God created you not to live in eternal torment, but to live in wholeness, fullness, and satisfaction. But here's the thing, it will never come doing it the world's way. And so if you're here today and you're saying, Joe, pray for me, I wanna know Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm gonna count to three. And I want you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. That's you in this place. Already hands are going up. That's you in this place. You're saying, Joe, pray for me. I wanna know Jesus. Not Joe, pray for me. This was a good word. It gave me goosebumps. But Joe, pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I've been living life my own way. I've been doing it the way the world told me. And if I'm honest, it's not working. I want Jesus. I want God's love, God's purposes, God's plan in my life. That's you in this place. One, two, three. Go ahead, lift your hand this morning if that's you. Man, already hands going up all over the room, all over the room. Come on, that's you in this place. If you haven't yet lifted your hand, lift it right now. Lift it right now if that's you. If your hand's up, just keep it up a little bit longer. Come on, other people in here right now, you know you may be fooling the people around you, but you can't fool yourself. Something is missing. Friend, there is hope, there is fullness in Jesus. There is rest in Jesus. So if that's you in this place this morning, anyone else, you haven't yet lifted your hand already, so many hands are up. I know people online are saying yes to Jesus. That's you in this place, lift your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Awesome. We're gonna pray a prayer right now. Let's all, actually right now, Church Alive, let's thank God for every single person who said yes to Jesus today. And let's all pray this prayer together. Everyone say, dear Jesus, I need you. I've lived life the world's way, and I've come up short. And today, I confess my sin. Today, I ask you 
to heal me from the inside out. I give you my sins. I give you my strengths. I give you everything. And I now confess, I am accepted, a child of God. Teach me, Jesus, how to live life the way you intended for it to be lived. I believe I am now a Christian and Christ lives in me. Amen. Amen. What an incredible word. Hey, if that was you right now and you just raise your hand to accept Jesus, we wanna give you this free resource, this book called Following Jesus that is just gonna help you in your next steps of faith. So right now as service closes, you can head out to the right-hand side of our foyer and our team will give you one of these. If you're online, text Connect 7 to 97,000, check off Following Jesus and we will mail it to you. Hey, have such a great day, church. We'll see you next Sunday.